so everyone had a wonderful Coast Guard 229th birthday yesterday. <laughs> uh, roll call, Chief Paul. Okay. Councilor Herman? Here. Councilor Brownson? Here. Councilor Weston? Here. Councilor Rogers? Here. Mayor Jones? Here. And uh, reports of councilors, Councilor Rock? Oh, reports of councilors.
Okay, Councilor Bronson, are you uh, an underachiever or can you match that? <laughs>
went up into the woods. I had an opportunity with the help of uh, Ben, ben Gates, our forester, and take a tour. And uh, since he had a pickup in the lecture room, I got to bring my wife, and she got to visit the Barry watershed and take a look around. And there was even one more seat, and I thought, now who could fill that? And I thought, and he gave a call to Tiffany Mitchell and Representative Mitchell. So they would, at the last minute, join us and take a tour of the watershed, too, which she wanted to do. And I think we all found it very informative. I think we're very fortunate to have Ben Hayes in the forest or he's very knowledgeable. His family's been in the business for a long time. He has a very good, I'd call him a forest centrist. You know, he's looking for making healthy forests as well as making a viable situation for everybody, whether it's county, state, or city. Um, and I think he's just a, a great resource. My wife said it was like going to getting your two-year degree in four hours in forestry. Just that much information. So again, I'm glad we had a great trip growing up. Uh, and beyond that, that's enough. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Herman. Well, these guys have already stolen my thunder, I think. But um, I did, as they said, participate in the first Astoria constitutional, as they are called, kind of a walkabout along the Riverwalk and downtown. Our purpose is just to get out, greet people, and also demonstrate that this is, by and large, a very safe community, as Chief Spalding has said a number of times. Um, if you want to join us, we have a Facebook page, Astoria Constitutional. We don't have any set time. We go out, and actually, it's very casual and formal, but um, hopefully we'll be doing these regularly. And I attended the Homelessness Solutions Task Force, gosh, about a week and a half ago, and got to hear the presentation by Pastor Dan Bryant from Eugene, and his, um, his church has provided quite a bit of transitional housing for people who are homeless in the Eugene area. And they have done it by and large by raising money, not by asking the city of Eugene for money. Um, I believe they have received a little bit, but the vast majority of their funds have come from just good old fundraising, grants, and um, individual donations. So it gave me a lot to think about. And then last Tuesday, I also was at the meet and greet for our two finalists for the community development director position. I was impressed with both of them. And I'm looking forward to the process being over, <laughs> as I think our city manager is too. Anyway, so that's that's it. Thank you, Council. Uh, I won't repeat the ones that everyone else did. Um, I also had a chance last Tuesday. I accepted an invitation to go meet with the residents of Clydesdale Retirement Village at, at cookie time. The cookies were delicious. The questions were tough. If you ever think 90-year-old ladies don't ask tough questions, you don't know our 90-year-old ladies in the story. So, I mean, they, they were tough. So, but I enjoyed meeting with about two dozen of the, the residents of Classic Retirement Village. Also, in the past two weeks, we had meetings in Astoria of the uh, Oregon Historical Society's Board of Trustees. I had a chance to meet with uh, uh, Carrie uh, Timchuk, the Executive Director, 
as well as their board. Uh, it was great that they stayed in Astoria. You ate out in town, stayed in our local hotels. And then last week, uh, we had the Oregon Community Foundation. Their board of trustees and staff also uh, spent the weekend in Astoria, stayed in hotels, ate in our restaurants, and nice uh, get-together meet and greet uh, at the Red Building, which many of you went to. Um, and there were probably 200 people in that room, so it was great to see so many of our local nonprofits take advantage of the opportunity to uh, to network with Oregon Community Foundation. Many of our local nonprofits have received grant money over the years, as recently as this year, and will continue to do so in the future. And then finally, I'll make a note. I'm, I'm very uh, sad to that there will be no mayor, uh, no current mayor. There will be a former mayor, but no uh, current mayor at Regatta this year. My youngest boy, Jake, uh, who's an Astro High School graduate, is graduating from Air Force Basic Training this weekend in San Antonio, Texas, so I'll be enjoying the 103 degree heat in Texas <laughs> while you enjoy Regatta. So have a great Regatta uh, festival. Are there any changes to the agenda? Um, there'll be some changes to the agenda as a part of the consent calendar, which I can discuss when we get to that agenda. Right. So consent calendar, the items on the consent calendar are considered routine and will be adopted by one motion unless a member of the council requests to have an item considered separately. Members of the community may also ask for an item to be removed if they do so by 5 p.m. the day of the meeting. So um, I'll make a note that uh, a counselor has asked for items 5D through 5G to be moved to the regular agenda. Um, have any items been requested moved by the public. No request. All right, then could we have a motion to approve items A through C, or 5A through C? I will so move. Second. All right, and um, roll call, uh, Chief Presswood. Councilor Arthur? Yes. Councilor Brownstein? Yes. Councilor West? Yes. Councilor Rockett? Aye. And Mayor Jones? Aye. So, um, Mayor, if you want, uh, what we are prepared to do is maybe uh, in moving on um, with items 5, D, E, F, and G, just to take those now and um, we're prepared to give a brief introduction and we have staff and uh, representatives here that are prepared to answer any questions. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So the first uh, item um, which we're going to be discussing is item 5D, uh, which is dealing with Florida Astoria funds, the agreement for professional services with the Astoria Warrington uh, Chamber of Commerce. So the, the city of Astoria code has a section which states organizations receiving funds from the promote Astoria funds shall enter into a contract with the city that will include a scope of work and budget to be approved annually by the Astoria City Council. The contract will designate how the funds will be expended by contracting organizations. So um, that's what we're doing tonight is uh, after the beginning of this current fiscal year, um, we're bringing a set of uh, agreements uh, to you uh, for the Florida Astoria funds. You may recall from your last uh, council agenda, there was something similar for the arts and culture grants um, that uh, were approved in so the agreement for the Square Warrants and Chamber of Commerce for Visitor Center Services uh, had a budget amount of $161,930 in the approved budget. There's also a line item for the Lower Columbia Tourism Committee 
uh, in the amount of $234,160. So uh, that agreement was included in the council packet, and it's recommended that council consider execution of the agreement me, for professional services with the Estuary Warrington Chamber of Commerce. Um, I know that uh, that uh, there were some questions of, of staff, and, and um, I don't know if, uh, if uh, Councillor, if you want to ask some questions, staff is very prepared to, uh, to discuss those with Councillor Herman. Well, may I have a minute just to explain why I asked that these items be removed from the consent agenda? Thank you. So I requested that these items be removed from the consent agenda after reading the packet over the weekend and having some questions myself. Ideally, I would have asked these questions during the budget process last March, but in my defense, it was my first time through the process. Um, it moves fairly quickly, we do it over two days, and there was a lot of information to digest in a short amount of time. So, to be honest, the, I did not notice during the budget process the disparity between the amount that the chamber receives and the downtown association, the Astoria Downtown Historic District Association. And I realize the two organizations are apples and oranges in many ways, um, but it still seems like a big disparity to me. And I want to emphasize that I have absolutely no gripe with what the chamber does. It does excellent work promoting our area. I mean, look at how successful we are in our tourists um, coming to the community. And I have uh, no gripe with any staff members. I'm especially appreciative of the leadership that David Reed, the executive director, provides, as well as the staff, Mark Wheeler, who's here, Regina Wilkie, and the rest of the staff. They're very welcoming to our visitors here. And our community really depends on what you do. And I also want to emphasize that the executive director of the Downtown Association, Sarah Lou Keith, did not approach me, and she did not know I was going to say anything until last night or this morning when she got my email. Um, no board members from the Downtown Association approached me. This is just me going out on my own, um, something I don't feel comfortable doing, to be honest. But um, again, I had some questions about it. And I just wanted to just provide a minute to justify why I feel um, this disparity shouldn't be quite so great. I've been attending the association's meeting, meetings of the downtown associations for the past 14 months. They meet monthly. And in that time, I've seen how much the organization does and not just for our downtown, because when we help our downtown, we really help the entire community. Um, it has a huge ripple effect. For example, I'm going to single you out now, Sarah Lou. She single-handedly is responsible for getting grants of $100,000 for the Merwin Project next door, which is going to be renovated into workforce housing beginning this fall. Um, that building's been derelict for over 30 years. So having that building transformed is going to be huge for our community. And she's now working on a separate grant for um, a reproduction of the historic glass awning that used to hang over the Merwin. Um, she secured a $150,000 grant to restore the Jason Kenney's facade to its historic nature. 
she secured a $50,000 grant to do facade work on the Riviera building, which is the Columbian Theater building. The Downtown Association is involved in many other things as well. Um, but that's a lot of money coming into our community because of the director's work. I also want to mention that um, on the surface, again, it may appear the Downtown Association only serves this relatively small geographic area of approximately 40 blocks. But that geographic area is a draw in and of itself. I mean, think of some of the businesses down there, Fort George, for example. I, I meet a lot of people just rolling around in my wheelchair, and I can often hear, is this where Fort George is? And I'll, I'll direct them to Fort George. But I mean, that's just an example. A downtown is not just um, a collection of businesses that sell products. It is, an, it is a draw in and of itself. So I realize, again, the Downtown Association is much smaller than the Chamber, but I don't think a modest increase to their budget would be unreasonable at all. I know I'm, my timing is poor, um, so I take responsibility for that. But I would be curious to hear what my fellow councilors and the mayor think about what I said. Well, uh, Councilor Herman, I, 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 uh, I certainly agree that ADHD does great work, and especially in the board, do great work. Um, I would I would suggest that there are kind of two conversations. If the council were to uh, have a proposal to increase funding to HDADA, we ought to do that as part of the budget process and look at all potential sources of revenue, not necessarily look at it as being tied to the um, the chamber or LCTC and thinking that the funds would have to come from there. There may be some other funded area in the city that would be a better source of revenue if we chose to prioritize increasing funding for ADHD. I would note that, in, in my view, the, the money uh, that's spent by the chamber and LCTC to attract tourism to our region also also directly benefits the downtown merchants because let's face it most people that come if they're if if the marketing that's done draws people to Astoria more than likely at least during part of their visit they will go downtown they're going to dine downtown they may or may not stay in one of the downtown hotels, or they stay on the East End, or they stay near the port, but they're going to eat downtown and spend money downtown. So I do think, I, don't, I wouldn't really look at those as being so connected. So I, I mean, I, I agree with your, um, your thought that ADHDA is highly deserving of attention and, and resources, but um, I would be opposed to after the budget's already been approved to try to make a change now and do a budget amendment to reduce the funding to the chamber or LCTC and a separate budget amendment to increase funding to HDA, especially if they didn't ask for it this time around. But I do, you know, I, I hear you coming from and appreciate that we do go through a lot in the couple of days we have to review the entire city budget. It's really not much time to get into the details. So I certainly understand bring it to our attention now.
about the process in general because I remember going through my first budget process this year and it, it did, it went by really fast and, and there's a lot of line items I think that uh, maybe I had questions about but didn't feel um, strong enough at the time to maybe ask about them and I do feel really confident in, in approving the budget and, and moving forward with it as it is right now. Um, that said, in just uh, considering the ADHDA directly, I've had a really uh, incredible opportunity to get to know Sarah Lou better um, and to see all of the work, and I, I'm just going to say that you do specifically for Astoria and for downtown. Um, I had no idea that that was basically all um, I know you have a half-time staff member, but it's, it's my understanding that that, is, that person is uh, pretty much devoted to, to parking regulations, which I feel like you're doing a lot of the work um, that people look to the city to do, so improvement of sidewalks or um, just the way that downtown looks and, and our historic buildings. Like, let's not forget that the, the Columbian Theater, the grant, was that $100,000? It was just 53. Oh, just, just 53. <laughs> so um, I, I think that that's incredible. And for transparency's sake, I mean, um, Sarah Lou and I have connected on uh, the Oddfellows building, which I'm co-owner of. But I just, I, I feel like a lot of the work that you're doing is having an impact on um, the downtown, I, I look at it as like our house in a way, not to disregard Uniontown or the east side um, at all, of course, but I think it's really wonderful to to want to draw visitors here, but I see you as doing a lot of the work in taking care of um, the reasons why they want to come back. So uh, I, I would really love to, for next year's budget, um, consider getting you some more support, even if it's just for, for instance, a volunteer or events coordinator, because I know ADHDA does three pretty huge events a year, like Northwest Group Cup and Jane Barnes. Um, again, that brings a lot of funding into the community. So I'm just appreciative that this even came up. I guess I understand that we were three starry-eyed newbies at the budget meeting. And uh, you know, you don't come in one that upset the apple cart and do things entirely differently. Uh, obviously, next budget time, budget time around, we'll be much better prepared to uh, have much more experience to be able to do and, and I would say to, to Sarah Lowe, the downtown association, but, but I would like to see in the budget meetings if you're requesting an increase in funds, which is fine, is to talk about what other money is going to be used and what you might need the increase in funds, how it will be used. And I would you know, ask the same thing in the chamber to talk about what LCTC is going to spend all that money on. So. Yeah, I don't have a lot. I have to I understand, you know, that they are two different organizations, and they're, they, they have different histories. Uh, they've been put together in different ways, and memberships are 
with the crossover, basically different with different intentions, um, specifically. And um, I would assume that if uh, ADHDA needs wants more money from the city, he would approach us and we would request it. And I would, when that happened, I would be happy to entertain it and, and talk about it in terms of our budget and our resources. Um, so I think it's good, always good to have a conversation about these things. But, um, I, I certainly see no reason to make any changes right now. I don't have enough conversation to even look at that. Well, thank you. And thank you again, Councilor Hart, for bringing up this good discussion. Can I have a motion to approve items 5D through G? So moved. Second. And uh, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Thank you. So regular agenda items. Uh, all agenda items are open for public comment following deliberation by the city council. Rather than asking for public comment after each item, I'll ask that you raise your hand if you would like to speak to the item and you'll be recognized with three minutes of voting. Item 6A is public hearing and first reading ordinance modifying city code 5.931 related to parks rules and regulations. In reviewing the current standards for possession and legal uh, and use of legal impairing substances in the city of Astoria, it's noted that alcohol is illegal to possess and use in a city park without a specific exemption. Uh, also, it's noted that smoking and tobacco are prohibited um, in a city park by ordinance. However, an ordinance has been proposed for council review this evening uh, to make possessing marijuana illegal in a city park. The current city ordinance only restricts the use of marijuana in the park, not possession. So the proposed ordinance includes an exemption for possession of marijuana for those who have uh, a, a medical marijuana card, um, but not for its specific use. It's also included that there is an exemption to the possession of non-impairing cannabis products, uh, which are becoming more common in today's market. Uh, there's also uh, reference to vaping and discouraging its practice, its practice in city parks as well. Um, our uh, police chief, uh, Chief Spaulding, has worked uh, to be able to prepare this ordinance uh, we did uh, provide notice to the Astoria uh, Parks Board as well that this was coming to City Council tonight and that it, it dealt with uh, use of the substance in, uh, in City Parks. Tonight is recommended that Council hold a public hearing and consider holding a first reading of the ordinance amending City Code Section 5.931 and Chief Spaulding is glad to answer any questions.
or as a result of some people's search based on some other I also have a question related to that. Um, when I read the proposed ordinance or the amended ordinance, I thought maybe it was a typo that we would we've been at we are being asked to outlaw possession, but isn't it um, state law that we can possess marijuana? That is correct. You, you can possess the marijuana, but we're using the analogy to the currently you cannot possess tobacco or smoke tobacco or vape tobacco in the same part. So it, it kind of follows in line with that. So as you're aware, you can uh, possess up to an ounce of marijuana in public and the ounces in your private residence. But the, the new ordinance would not only prohibit the, the smoking, which is already prohibited in public, but also the possession of public. Can I ask for just a clarification? Chief, did you mean that um, in city parks you're not able to possess alcohol? Um, you're saying that current ordinance doesn't allow possession of tobacco in parks. Yes, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Thank you. So now I'm confused. You can possess tobacco, but not smoke it. Correct. Okay. However, however our current code prohibits the possession as well as use of alcohol in parks. All right. Um, is there, can you explain why you feel the need to make it um, maybe a violation to possess marijuana as long as it's not baked or smoked? Be and, 
and some of the clarification that, um, that Bruce just asked about. I'm wondering, so this you're saying this kind of gives you another tool to be able to um, to use some type of enforcement around unfortunate behavior or challenging behavior, I think that happens in the parks. Tim isn't here, but um, I'm wondering what specifically, if you can say what the citation would be, would it be a fine or? Well, it would be a violation level offense, so that would be up to the judge and there is a maximum amount that the judge could impose for a violation so there would be no, no jail time. Jail time would not be an option in that scenario. It's not a criminal offense. It's not a criminal offense, it's a violation level offense. I believe I may have to ask the city attorney. Do you remember? I'm pretty sure that's a... Uh... I believe that's what I read okay. in, the, in the agenda. And I actually have to do a lot of homework on this because I, I wasn't clear what was legal or illegal in, in parks as far as substances. Um, I think, well, I, I just, I got some feedback or concern from constituents, of course, wanting to make sure this wasn't directed towards a particular population. Um, some concerns around targeting the homeless population, of course, who may not have other locations in which to engage in this behavior. Um, I'm curious if you had a response to that, but I will preface that by saying that, uh, like, Mayor Jones, I mean, I support providing um, APD with the tools that they need. Right, uh, and I appreciate the question, and I understand that uh, some people might perceive that this song with the other proposed ordinance, uh, the changing the alcohol consumption and possession, or an open container, so to speak, applies to anybody in our community, whether it's a youth or uh, somebody who's experiencing homelessness or anybody, applies to anybody, but it's not targeting any particular individual. And, and as most of these new violations go, generally speaking, we're going to be issuing warnings and just to try to curb the behavior, especially in the parks, because uh, at least the way I view the parks, I've seen that we hold the parks to a higher standard in terms of the behavior we expect, you know, lots of family type activities and those types of things. Correct. Yeah, and I would say that in my conversation with folks that are concerned, you know, I have to know that I, I don't even think you guys have given out one citation regarding the panhandling law. I mean, these are just kind of, again, I like the word tools um, to be able to address the issues if they really are coming up. But I think that the Astoria Police Department has done a very good job um, in trying to work with individuals before a citation Well, I'll uh, open the public hearing and then uh, I'm not sure if I have a question. I'm just just struggling a little bit with this because, uh, because possession of marijuana under an ounce is legal and if it's not being used and it's in your pocket, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time imagining what circumstances there are have you, is there something that you are experiencing currently that has moved you? And if so, can you give me an example or two of what that is? No, I, I honestly can't give you an example of a specific instance. 
use and the, the use of marijuana since it became legal. Sure. And so that, that's logical. And so the logical step for us would be, especially in the parks anyway, is to prohibit the possession of the marijuana in addition to the, the smoking of it, which you can't do anyway by state law. Right. I, I just think the prohibition against smoking or using marijuana in public is struggling why, oh, I just saw them, I don't know, uh, put a joint upon me. Well, the, the, does it give you cause to, to investigate? I mean, is there, I, I just don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I haven't heard anything as far as behavioral issues um, with marijuana. In fact, that was actually one of the questions that I did get around to asking uh, Officer Hansen. Police department has uh, perceived the impact of legal marijuana in our community uh, up to this point because this is the first time we're actually talking about it in any significant way. And if for me, just kind of walking around and being in the community, I see nothing. But then that's just me walking around the community and it's very anecdotal. So I'd really like to have a further conversation on I see no harm in this. I don't see any benefit. I'm not sure if I see the benefit. That's all. Sure, understood. I think what we're all struggling with, Chief, is, is trying to understand what problem we're trying to solve with this. Well, maybe what it what it came out of. Mm -hmm. Well, mostly just from hearing from some of the officers that they do see the increase in the use of marijuana. I mean, yeah, especially in the parks. There's concern about the parks and. And the availability of it is, gives an individual the ability to have it closer and ready to be able to, to smoke it. So it's, again, just a, another tool to hopefully help discourage that activity in, in the parks. Yeah, but if you, but you see them, you get the stop, right? You, you see usage, if they're actually using it. And if they're smoking it, correct, correct. If they're simply possessing it now, no. In the parks. Right. Yeah. right. I have said, I mean, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Say, we're trying to discourage people from having marijuana in the park, uh, eating their cookies. Or, because we're not only talking about smoking here, we're talking about any kind of delivery device. And if somebody wants you on a cookie, yeah. I mean, what happens there? Is, it, is that a marijuana cookie you got there? Can I check that? I mean, I'm, I'm just. Well, and honestly, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that this is a widespread problem. Uh, I can go back and do some additional research if that's council's wish. But, uh. I think, I mean, for me, I, I have some of the same questions as well. Um, it is more parallel to the open container law that, was, that is, is also on the agenda. So it's possession in addition to actually drinking alcohol. I mean,
Well, at this point, I'll open the public hearing, hear any public comment, and then we'll resume council comment. And it looks like we have numerous people who are back in comment. So the public hearing is open, and please come to the podium, state your name and address. And the timer should be set for three minutes per person. All right, Rick Bowers, 357 Commercial Street here in Astoria. And uh, I appreciate the reference to uh, the police enforcement as pad handling where it's, you know, hasn't been a major problem. But I do have concerns about the homeless with, uh, they carry their possessions with them. And it's legal to be in the park. So I would have a real issue with uh, the mere possession of a legal substance. And I completely agree with the, the smoking of it or whatever. But you know, go to the particular issue, and if you really want to do some notification, put some signs up around the park. That seems like a reasonable first step. In the worst case, I would say postpone and just have this go to the Homeless Solutions Task Force to have a discussion and recommend a recommendation for them. Thank you. I'm Tom Melodic and uh, 793 Erie Avenue. Um, I went through, like, a, as you guys uh, described what was uh, going on with this, I was, no, you can't do that. And then as I listened, I went, it's a good idea because uh, the policeman needs tools to do his job. And I'm imagining now he pulls up on the park and maybe they got a call by a mom trying to be in the park with her kids, but there's six guys that are behaving inappropriately loud, just being screwballs. And now the policeman can say, uh, what's going on with you guys? And they're obviously stoned, but they're not smoking right then and there. They're not eating a cookie right then and there. He can say, let's see what's going on here. If they've got marijuana, he's got a tool now. He can say, you guys gotta get out of here or I'll arrest you. This is against the law. It's just a good tool for him as I see it. Um, I would hope that a policeman wouldn't use it as a way to harass homeless people or something. Well, this guy's you know, probably got weed. I'll use that as an excuse to rouse them out of here. But I don't think our police are those kind of police. Um, but you know, what's wrong with them? You know, I, I want those parks to be safe for moms and their kids. And you know, for that matter, the front of the library. You know, I'd, I'd like to see uh, those kind of places that are meant for families to be uh, you know, safe for them. That's my take. Thank you. Mel Moffat, 357 Commercial Street. I just want to add uh, one more thing is that there's a legal term called disparate impact. And I think uh, Rick pointed to this when we've got the homeless people who are carrying their possessions on their back. There's a disparate impact towards them. They can't leave their marijuana at home. And uh, so I just would like you to take that into consideration. Thank you. Are there any other comments? Public hearing is now closed. So I would just add to my original comments. Um, I don't see anything in this ordinance that targets homeless people. And I don't see a disparate impact on homeless persons. If, uh, if, if a, uh, an unhomed person has uh, 
marijuana in his or her pocket, there's nothing in this ordinance that allows a police officer to conduct an illegal search of that person and discover the marijuana. It would only be discovered the same as if someone's sitting, if people are sitting out in the park with a you know six pack of beer out in front of them and they're each holding beer, but they're not drinking it. It's it's something that we discover if you have it out in the open. It, uh, I don't think it's a disparate impact. And I think to me it's the same logic that we don't want people with possessing beer, alcohol, hard liquor in a, in a park because it is a place, a public place, where anyone should be able to go and feel safe, families and children. And um, by the same token, I think the same logic does apply to marijuana. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to see people out there with it. If you have marijuana out in the open at a park, it means you're probably getting ready to use it. Otherwise, why is it out in the open? I just don't, I, I don't see the, I just don't see the problem. I just don't see the problem. I see, you know, Somebody's acting out in any way for what, any reason, whether they're intoxicated or stoned or just at bad manners. You know, we get to act on that. We can ask them to move on. We, if they're violent, we can take, we can, we have a means to do it. If they are smoking, marijuana, or so it's odor in the air, that would have an effect on children. You know, you don't want people, that's one of the reasons it's there. You don't want uh, this going on in front of the kids and whatnot. So if that's happening, it's illegal. We can stop it. Uh, the idea that somebody would have a small amount of marijuana out in the open, exposed, and not using it, I mean, they'd be using it, you'd know. Otherwise, you'd be in the pocket and you don't see it. It just doesn't seem to really have much going for it. So, in my mind, if, if, if a lot doesn't really have much to commend it, I just don't, I appreciate the intent, but I don't see it being useful. I don't see anybody with half a, half a brain. Again, you know, we had a, we had a, individual comment here the other day about smelling marijuana smoke coming from the uh, food court over there. Well, that's, if that's true, you know, somebody you can smell it, somebody's smoking, and you can, you know, get after them. And you can hopefully, if they don't skedaddle, you can take care of it. So, again, I just, I just don't see the need for it. Uh, it's just too small, it's too easy to conceal. And it's legal to have in your pocket. You know, and if you're transiting on your way home um, and you're standing in the park and you go, oh, that's what's in my pocket, pull it out, and cops are easy to get busted for it. I mean, I realize it's, it's just one of those kind of funny, slippery, slopey sort of things that, again, if, it, if, there were, if, if somebody is willing to convince me that there are specific issues that are occurring that would give us a good reason to put this on the books, I'd be happy to listen to it. I, I just not sure. I just don't buy it. Um, Tom, you raised a really good point um, and made me see this issue. 
from the other side because I'm, to be honest, really ambivalent about it. I certainly support giving the police constructive tools that you need to keep our communities safe. But my big issue with this request is that uh, we have a state law that says possession is okay. Um, so I just honestly don't see how we can have a law that says you can't possess something that state law has already said is legal. Obviously, if somebody's flashing their, um, I forget the old slang term. It's been a while since I've been in high school for a marijuana cigarette. Well, joint, and there's another term. But anyway, if somebody's flashing their vape pen or whatever around, and they're clearly ingesting, I obviously then I would think you could cite them. And I understand why this would be useful for the police, because as soon as they see you coming, they're probably going to put it away. Um, it doesn't mean they don't have it and aren't using it. Um, but yeah, I think because we have a state law that says you can possess marijuana, I unfortunately don't support this. Any other comments? Yeah, I guess I would to kind of go along with, uh, with some other counselors have said, I guess the missing element for me is the examples that say this is happening and here's why we need this. And that's what I'm not saying, that this is happening and here's why we need this stuff. You know, I think our police force, I'm very proud of it. I mean, our, our police force is compassionate, even-handed, and I, I, in all of the job they do. But I'm just not understanding what the motivator is for this, what is happening that makes this a good idea. And so I'm having a hard time adding another thing to the, to the books, but I don't see the reason for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really torn on this one as well, as, as you guys have already probably guessed, in wanting to support the, the APD on this, um, and again, giving them tools to be able to more effectively deal with some of the issues that they deal with on a very regular basis, um, but also maybe wanting to see like you guys said, better examples of, of where this is coming from. I did a lot of research on the agenda as far as the current laws go, uh, and just trying to understand how this would help. I don't know if there is a way to look at this again, maybe after we've been presented with some some examples of, of how this, uh, maybe why this was um, on the agenda. Chief Spalding, maybe I know you said that this was prompted by concerns from your officers. They felt this would be a, a this is a needed and a useful tool. And uh, so perhaps you, if you could find some of those specific examples, it sounds like some of the counselors, the founders of the counselors, would like to see some of those specific examples, and then we can revisit this. Sure. Yeah, I'd also be curious if other communities have taken these steps, and if so, you know, what their rationale was. Well. Yeah, I would try to find some examples. I mean, I think that they're out there, but um, it's, I would, it, yeah. So I don't think we're going to have a, a second on any motion, so I'm, I'll just move on to item 6B, six, uh, six public hearing and first reading ordinance modifying city code 5.370 relating to consumption of alcohol. Uh, Mr. Mayor, you may want to 
table the last uh, receiver, the last question, and let, allow the police to come back with information. Appropriate, that would be an appropriate procedure to yep. Thank you, Mr. Hanksgard, and a good catch. So we will table item mm -hmm. 6A and ask uh, Chief Spalding to come back to a future meeting with the more specificity on the advantages and need for this tool that it asked for by the council. Okay, are we ready for the next one? Yes. Okay, so the city has experienced an increase in public intoxication <coughs> and alcohol consumed in public areas, and as noted in the prior agenda item, um, there uh, are ordinances which deal uh, with uh, where alcohol um, can be consumed and also um, possessed in public in, in public parks. But this is dealing with uh, the issue of uh, consuming alcohol in public. So the proposed ordinance which is before you is uh, a modification of the ordinance regarding possession of an open container of alcohol in public locations and provides for the violation to be citable by an officer uh, when the officer did not witness the individual consumption of the alcohol in public. Uh, the addition of this language um, specifically detailing seizure and disposal of alcohol would allow for officers to use this tool in lieu of or in concert with enforcement action to, to deter further offenses. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, that Chief Spalding come up again on to the lectern be able to speak to this issue uh, specifically uh, with regards to uh, the proposed ordinance amendment. And it's recommended the council hold a public hearing and consider holding a first reading of the ordinance amending section 5.372. Thank you. Mayor, members, council, Judge Falling, please speak again. So uh, many communities actually have the ordinance, which uh, may be referred as open container ordinance in our city. Our, our ordinance currently only prohibits the consumption of alcohol in public. So it's not surprising by and see somebody with a can of beer, some other wine, or some other type of alcoholic beverage. Uh, unless they actually see the person consuming it, then they're not able to take any action to make contact. Uh, this one, different from the one we spoke about previously, where this applies to the whole city, not just the parks. So our proposal is that uh, this uh, change to the ordinance would also prohibit the consumption of certain exceptions such as the OLCC tastings at the farmers market, those kinds of things. We're not interested in that. Just talking about out in the public, you know, whether it's parks or anywhere else in the city proper. Thank you. Any questions of the chief at this time? Um, so I think you just mentioned this. So if a if an entity has a TSL from the OLCC for you know for instance like the block party that just happened that that would be allowed if they've gone because I know that that does go through ACD first and then is sent to the OLCC first. So that would be fine if they had a permit for that. Correct. Yes. So also our code allows for uh, alcohol consumption in parks with the approval of the parks director. Okay. And um, this would still allow that way, you know, the specific example that I can say has been used is the Parks Foundation holds their movies in the park for um, 
adults. Uh, more adults and more kids are, are also invited. Um, they part of their fundraiser is uh, beer concessions uh, in the park, and uh, this would still be allowed uh, under this modification. So this time I'll open the public here. Are there any members of the public that would like to comment? who's on the street, and he actually thought that the open container law still applied, and actually, no, my wife brought him into the, the mayor and said, please enforce this law. So I think some of the homeless would actually be very much in favor of, um, of this sort of a law. I mean, the counter side of that is it goes back to the same thing, and homeless don't have a home, so consuming alcohol is an issue for them to do legally. But I think the overall thing makes sense to me. Thank you. Are there any other public comments? Public hearing is now closed. Uh, council comments. Yeah, I. Um, so, oh, just a quick, just just a quick question for clarification. I don't really have too much problem with the quality. Um, yeah, I admit I'm out of the beer culture. Right? I've been away from the beer for 30 years, so I I missed this whole thing. But there's what is it, growlers? That thing, the, the refillables. How does this come into play on this sort of thing? Because those are sort of already open containers, right? But they're closed at the same time. You can just kind of talk about that. Well, sure. to be honest with you, I don't know how they seal the growlers. Uh, I don't purchase growlers myself. Uh, I would say that, again, there's some discretion involved here, and the officers knowing the spirit of the law. Uh, most people, I, I don't think, are out sitting on the sidewalk drinking from a growler. I don't believe so. Um, maybe, maybe there are some. So, so I, I don't have a great answer for you. I, I guess if, there's, if it doesn't have a factory seal, I suppose technically it could be a violation. Yeah, it, again, I just want to make sure that, you know, it, it maybe they don't do anything, but there may be some concern in the public, you know, as they carry right. the out of home that, you know, down the sidewalk there. Are allowed anyway in public? In general, I thought they weren't. They are allowed in Astoria. Oh, they are? And most cities prohibited through city codes, city municipal okay. ordinances. That, that is what this proposal would do, is create an, an, oh, I, okay. a city Yeah, I actually had to clarify Bruce beforehand because I was also under the impression that you couldn't have an open container anywhere in Astoria, whether you were drinking it or not. But so, um, and I think with the growler situation, you can just, if someone is concerned, they could just put that in a bag and carry it home, which I think that when you purchase one or you get your growler refilled, that's an option at the local breweries is for them to put that in a bag. Is that correct? Well, that'd be correct. I, I mean, to me, it's an analogous to buying, you know, alcohol at the Safeway. Sure. So I don't see it. Yeah, I would say that you know, in my purchasing grounds over the years, <laughs> um, actually, a lot of times they will put a there's a, a taper or paper seal over over the top. Okay, yeah. okay. There's that, which is done by some establishments. Okay, so that's an indication that. Expert testimony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I 
a fight or a, a disruptance um, at a park in particular, that you have to wait for an individual, to see an individual actually take a drink from the container, even though it's quite obvious what's going on, people are sitting there with their uh, beverages, whether they're in the back or not. But um, I think that there is evidence in my mind to support uh, disruptive behavior around alcohol um, consumption in public parks in particular. So this is something that I would support. I actually already thought of this a lot. Well, I like the move that first read.
fiscal year that we're back to receive that. So there is some exposure in terms of the, the financial impact, but it's, to me, I think it's minimal, especially when you consider the staff time of preparing these requests and having to finance and out billings, et cetera. Um, I also say that the, I, I think the, the goodwill uh, is much more valuable than any, you know, minimal income that we might lose. Um, secondarily, the, there was other language in here that I didn't think was appropriate. They talked about if you get to a third and fourth alarm, we might get to a place where we could no longer respond to an alarm. And I, and I just could not envision a scenario where the police department would not respond to somebody's alarm, even if they never pass. Uh, we've always responded to it's going to be that one we don't respond to, it's going to be a real alarm. So I wanted to make that change, and there's some other minor thing that language in there just to make the ordinance a little bit more contemporary. I'll open the public hearing into this uh, change. Would anyone like to speak to this issue? Public hearing is closed. Council discussion. Yeah, I'd say make good sense. Also fill a couple of gaps in the DMV 
made around that uh, set point corner there. Uh, the, the current cost is four million one hundred seventy two thousand. The city, just like the bridge projects, though, they're responsible for a ten, approximately ten percent match. That's four hundred twenty eight thousand. Uh, this is a uh, showing the um, one of the areas there. The blue, the blue is uh, what was phase um, two, and then the yellow here was phase one. And that's a piece of phase two. So it's kind of confusing, but we had the whole project scoped originally. No doubt assets were reduced to scope of the project. That's why we scoped it down to that yellow, and then we came back in as phase two, and then it just blew back in, and now it's all being combined back together. Um, this is just some pictures giving an idea of where we're at here. This is looking um, out 202 towards the uh, southeast, and it um, would go all the way down to where the, the sidewalk currently is. Look in the other direction, it would go around this corner. Um, this is where one of the larger retaining walls we need to go. One of the first things that they'll be working on, they, they were already out there doing some survey work, but um, we always start off a project with a geological investigation to make sure that what's proposed is safe to do. This is, is a, in a historic site area, so that'll have to be looked at very closely. So if there's any, anything that falls out of that, we will know quite immediately. Um, this shows further around the corner, and you can kind of in the distance there see the well, not very well as to the sidewalk is in front of the high school. Uh, project funding, we're uh, currently going to uh, match it with, uh, we, already, we already paid $25,675. Um, we have a, a fund called the Trails Reserve Fund, which is 1% of your state fuel tax that goes into a special fund strictly for trails um, on state highway. Uh, we haven't had a great opportunity to use those funds, so this would be a great place to use them, and it's currently 54780 And then out of our STP funds, we would match the remaining. Um, and based on the timing of when that happens and how the STP funds that we're spending on the bridge projects coincide, we'll, um, when it comes time to actually allocate those funds, we'll come back to you and or to discuss the portion of those funds, we'll come back and give you a more detailed breakdown of that. Um, City manager uh, says asked me just to, to really quickly because you know these terms and acronyms are always kind of confusing. So real quickly, the STIP is the State Transportation Improvement Program. So that's the that's the overall capital improvement program that we're getting the funds out of. The bridge projects, for example, came out of the bridge STIP program. So that's the general pot of money. The STP is um, surface transportation funds that come from the federal government. It's considered an exchange program, so it's money that is, doesn't have federal ties, it's kind of filtered through the state funding system and comes to us um, with the intentions of being easier to spend on smaller projects and, um, and more flexible. If you've heard of small small cities, it's called the small city allotment, you've heard that term in the past. It's all kind of rolled up in this STP funding now. Um, and then the Charles Reserve Fund is, like I said, that 1% of city, um, state fuel tax allocation that's restricted to uh, construction and maintenance of walkways, bikeways within the highway level. Um, project timeline was, was covered in length at the, at the work session, but if, if there's any questions on that, I won't cover all that. Um, city manager already kind of walked through that, but it's, it's been a long process, and we're looking forward to see it moving ahead. Um, any questions on that? I was a little confused. Has some of the project been completed Literally physical work? Nothing. Okay, nothing. No, all, all we've done is um, given the, the state that 25675 for the start of what we call preliminary design. 
And the only work that's been done is probably some office work um, by ODOT staff. Of course, that started out with trying to hire a consultant. They went through a process and not being able to negotiate fees with the consultant, so they decided to do it themselves. Um, we've given them the $25,675, and they've done some office work, and they've done some survey work in the field. So people, you know, they were out there a couple weeks ago. Saw some ODOT staff out there uh, doing some survey work, and that's uh, it. You should be just one part of the slide. Probably had an answer there. Uh, when do you plan on actually starting breaking ground on this? In the summer of 2021, or fall. Fall. So it's a few years. Wait for that happens. Yeah, summer of 2021 with completion about the fall of 2021. It'll, with the, with the exception of the retaining walls, it should go relatively quick. Just side by side. So the retaining wall is another question I have. Um, so. That's going to have some impact on the residents there. There's a, go back to one more slide. No, what's that? No, what's the next? Maybe no, no, no. Yeah. So you're you're actually going to cut into the slope. Have to cut into the slope there and build a retaining wall right underneath these homes over here. Um, I'm just sure they will be notified, but there's going to be some disruption. I'm just kind of wondering about how long they're going to have to deal with construction at the So this this wall here, and once again, it depends on how they go about doing the, the, the wall construction. This wall here should have minimal impact on the residents above. Um, the, the wall that's uh, further down, you know the one there's already that little concrete wall? Um, that'll have to be pushed back. That's the one that's got the parking up above by the front, really close to the front doors of the units there. That's, that's the one that we're concerned about, how they're gonna manage that. Um, so all we can do, well, number one, they'll, they'll need to try to keep the work within the right of way, and I believe that's out of the right of way. Um, but if they have to uh, occupy that area up above for construction, we'll have to do something like we did with Louis Beer on the bridges where you have to provide alternative parking or compensate them for lots of parking or, Whatever you have to do, but that's what ODOT does in and, the process. And so that's an ODOT concern. ODOT. Yes. Yeah, this would be an so ODOT project. And questions and concerns that come my way. This has to be my ward. It's finally it's getting some improvements. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're get, you know, a lot of these, these uh, STIP, STIP projects you know, that we deal with, um, or, or these other types of projects um, that deal with ODOT funding. The design is, in most cases, not completed. It, there's a concept of a project, which is which is put together in an application, and then we get the funding and we go through these different agreements. But the, that exact how it's going to be done comes at a later time. And so that's and that's when when we start getting closer to having construction happening. There's the coordination between the design team and contracting and staff with those residents and then we'd be working to be able to get uh, messaging out like we do with any other construction projects like the waterfront bridge project or, or the bridges that we did in the different neighborhoods where there's uh, um, a group of stakeholders that try to keep in the terms of what's happening here. We're, we're very fortunate to have the staff in-house to coordinate these projects. Some small cities don't have that staff um, you know, certain cities, and might be the city manager doing, doing all the, the field work and talking to people, or, or public works director in some cases. I 
Uh, this is going to be used to construction additional drainage improvements. The project was put up to bid, and the low bid was uh, Big River Construction in the amount of $62,885. So uh, tonight, it's recommended that council authorize the award of construction contract to Big River in the amount of $62,885 for the bridge report utility repair project. And our public works director, Jeff Harrington, can answer any questions about this. Um, Jeff, I was curious why this equipment wasn't repaired before. Why? Yeah. What was it? The equipment, the utilities. Oh, um, before. So, so well, I, it's been 14 years. Let me ask you a question. Um, there were lawsuits involved. Oh. And so, so there. Couldn't do any work. And so there was a lot. There was a lot of, of and there, there were. A lot of discussion and things that had to be dealt with, and then there was also, you know, coordinating with property owners, and so. Okay. So there was yeah, there was yeah. a lot, a lot of kind of issues that had to be resolved incrementally over the years. Yeah, we when they did their repair, we did that portion and easement through their property, and there was no no urgency getting back these other things. This is some cleanup work on both ends. The, the portion downstream, which is above the high school, there's, you know, it's, it's been that way for 60 years. And this one piece up above is a um, realignment. It was, when it was built by the developer, it wasn't built quite right. And we're putting it in a better location, which is a straight line back in the easement. And waiting until they got all their stuff done. We probably could have done it. It's, it's, been, in, it's been budgeted for about a year or two. We just had the staff time to design it. And get it out to bid. And we barely did this year, but we just knew we had to do it. But we've been in contact with the resident, Mr. Ho, the whole time, and he's happy with what's going on. And at least he's telling us he's happy with us coming in at this time. And, and um, it doesn't affect him, it's outside of okay. his property. And what's the status of this slide now, 14 years later, for the land in general? I, I, I don't believe it's it's moved much. I, I believe that um, what I recall hearing from staff is that the high school was looking at some of the slope indicators because um, they're having some issues down below um, with a, um, uh, a floor cracking, and they were looking at the slope in, indicators. And I believe it hasn't moved very much. Is what I remember hearing. Okay, thanks. I'd like to make a
from 12 to 6 today. So we've had so many calls, it's unbelievable. Uh, we get probably a couple dozen every day. So it's, it's exciting that, that it's going. I know you guys are excited to see it going. Um, actually, coming to you as a county commissioner for District 1, um, as this is old news, as you already know, that we have hired a new county administrator. His name is Don Boone. He's from Washington County. Uh, I don't know if any of you were able to attend the meet and greet at uh, 1 in the morning evening, but uh, terrific guy. And uh, I'm really excited to see him start. He's going to start on September 16th. And uh, he's, uh, I guess, uh, the, the biggest thing about it is that uh, we, we really benefited from, I don't know if Monica Steele, if you know Monica real well, she's been the interim since December. And uh, she has done a tremendous job. She has held you know, three positions, really. She's been the finance director, she's been the assistant county manager, and she's been the interim county manager this whole time. And so we're really blessed that we're going to have her as the assistant county manager working with Don. We're going to have a real strong team moving forward. Um, I want to extend the invitation to all of you that you have something that you believe is of interest to, to county government to please reach out to me. Um, my bosses, anytime during business hours is fine. Um, <laughs> Oh, sorry, <laughs> but honestly, I really do appreciate that, and I hope that you, uh, you know, uh, welcome uh, in, any inquiries that I might have as well. Because obviously, the issues that we face in our community are ones that need uh, cooperation, collaboration moving forward. So, uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to to get to know all of you better, and, and certainly uh, feel free to reach out anytime. Thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioner. Thanks very much. Thanks for reading. David Reed, 4924 Cedar Street in Astoria, uh, and Executive Director of the Astoria Washington Area Chamber of Commerce. Just for um, for the group here and for uh, for council, just want to let you know that the ADHDA and the Astoria Washington Area Chamber of Commerce are, are uh, close comrades. We are working together on, on many things. You said that they were apples and oranges. They very much are, and we look forward to the opportunity to sort of uh, make the case for the money to go to the Columbia Tourism Commission and to the Astoria Warrington Chamber of Commerce from your visitor center. I think we can make a strong case of that money is well spent and, and well used, um, particularly given the source of that money. Um, but I appreciate the appreciate the query to the Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Reed. Okay, with that, the public comments are concluded. We're gonna recess, we're gonna take a 10 minute recess and reconvene in executive session next year.